0: Three things that are happening to fundamentally change the structure of our government. Coming up next on AGP. Let's get it. Hey folks, welcome back. Another week of Anything Goes. All right, today... I really, You guys really need to go and, and pay attention to what's happening in the D.C. bubble right now. Some of these things are becoming a little bit more public, but you're still not hearing a lot about it. And you're not hearing a lot about it because it goes back to the same thing that we always talk about, right? The mainstream media is in cahoots with the Democratic Party when it comes to this kind of stuff. So here's what I'm talking about. There are three distinct things right now that are happening to fundamentally change the structure of government as we know it here in the United States. This isn't, this is by design. This isn't, uh, this isn't something that's just coincidental that these are all happening at the same time. So we're going to talk about all three of them. And they kind of have to go in order, right? So in order for this to work, one has to be successful before the others will be successful. So we're going to start off with the first one, the Senate filibuster. Anyone who doesn't know what the Senate filibuster is, the Senate filibuster is, you know, it, it requires 60 votes for most things to be, approved by the Senate with few exceptions, you know, obviously you've probably heard of the nuclear option, which has been used for Supreme court justices to be uh, approved. So typically the filibuster is used by the minority to block legislation from, from leaving the Senate and it's there for a reason it's there because you know the minority is the minority and you know the majority is the majority but they need basically this 60 vote threshold to advance any legislation out of the senate for 4 years the democrats loved the filibuster i mean they you know, they would invoke it and, and do what they could to use it the entire time that Donald Trump was president of the United States. Well, now, all of a sudden. The filibuster is an archaic. Rule and and needs to be needs to go away. Well, why is that? Why is the filibuster so important now that it that it be gone? It ties into the other two things. So step one, get rid of the filibuster. So watch the push in the Senate to get rid of this. So what that would mean is it would just be a majority vote on everything. If the filibuster goes away, it's a majority vote on anything. So 51 votes, we have a 50, 50 Senate. And who's the tiebreaker? The vice president of the United States. So, which way is every vote going to go if it's 50 50? It's going to, without the filibuster, everything's going to go with whatever the Democrats want passed. So, that's step one. Got to get rid of the filibuster. Step two, or issue item number two DC statehood. Now, you don't hear a lot about this. The people of the district voted, uh, I think, in the last election. Um, to pursue statehood, right? It's not the first time. I think they've talked about, you know, they've been talking about D.C. statehood for a really, really long time. Uh, Well, I don't know. I say they. The people of D.C. have been talking about statehood for a considerable amount of time. And I get it to a certain extent. You know, know, they have a representative. I think it's uh, Eleanor Holmes whatever her name is, uh, in Congress who is, uh, she's there, but she doesn't get to vote. She doesn't, you know, she's really not, she's there to speak. And she, Eleanor Holmes, Eleanor Holmes Norton, I think her name is, um, she's there, you know, she gets to speak, she gets to ask questions, that type of thing, but she doesn't have a vote and they have no U S senators from the state of DC or from, you know, DC, cause it's not a state. So why now all of a sudden is there a push for D.C. statehood? And you're going to see this because I've already started seeing the, you know, the rabble rousing of D.C. statehood. The mayor of D.C. actually testified in front of Congress uh, this past week specifically about D.C. statehood. And of course, she's wrapping it as, you know. Well, you know, the people of D.C. deserve, uh, you know, it's taxation without representation and blah, 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 completely leaving out the fact that the federal government picks up the tab for a considerable amount of D.C. residents entitlements, I guess you could call them. I think they pick up uh, 60 percent of the Medicare costs for D.C. residents. I think the federal government pays somewhere around $600 million uh, towards certain budgetary things in DC. So it's not like DC's, you know, getting a bum deal by not being a state, right? I mean, they're certainly getting a considerable amount of federal dollars to, you know, run that, run that city. So, of course, she leaves that part out. Now, you know, fortunately, we have some people in Congress who have enough of a brain to bring that stuff up, but also not a lot of people are watching this uh, because it, it, it's not, it doesn't seem like on the face of it, it doesn't appear to be like this big, huge issue. But why is it important? Why is it important now for the Democrats to try to push DC statehood. What do they get out of it? They get two senators. They get two representative senators in the United States Congress if they become a state. Why is that important? Well, let's look back at history. When the rest of the country, you know, I, and I'm going back to Ronald Reagan here. When Ronald Reagan won election, he, I believe he got 500 and, I don't know, 500 and something electoral college votes, right? So the rest of the country, blue or red, were pretty much all on board with voting for Ronald Reagan. It was, the, it was probably, it, I think it was the largest uh, presidential win, electoral college win in history. He got like somewhere between 15 and 20% of the vote in D.C., Okay, so the rest of the country was happy with Ronald Reagan being president, but the District of Columbia, he got somewhere, I will say 20%. He got somewhere around 20% of the D.C. vote, which means they were so out of step with the rest of the country then, when it was clear to the rest of America which way the country should go. So if during that time period and during that election where the rest of America was on one page, DC was still on their straight liberal election page. So how's that gonna fare on any election that we can see for the foreseeable future, right? So that guarantees them two liberal down the line voting senators Right there. So what does that do? Right. OK, we have 50 50 Senate right now, D.C. statehood, which it, there's an argument in, in right now, whether or not that that's going to require a constitutional amendment or if, you know, it can just be voted on and Congress has the power to make that happen. Well, of course, that argument that Congress can make it happen is coming from the Democratic side because they want it to happen. For for step two of this process, this three step process. Right. So what does that do? 50-50 Senate. D.C. becomes a state. All of a sudden it's fifty-two-fifty. No matter what. You, those two are never going to vote against the liberal agenda. They're not going to do it. So that's step two. And we're going to talk about all three of these. And how how it collectively is going to work together but i just want you to be clear on what all three of them are so you got the filibuster and you got dc statehood we're going to come right back in a minute after this commercial break and we'll talk about number three and then we'll tie it all together we'll be right back all right folks welcome back all right so we've gone through step one and step two step one removing the filibuster from the senate step two dc statehood okay step three and this one is starting to gain a little bit of notoriety in the press not so much from mainstream media but if you look other places it's there but you have to be paying attention the supreme court we saw it yesterday folks with the chairman of the house judiciary committee standing on the steps of the supreme court talking about the need To add four more justices to the Supreme Court, making the total 13. So why is that important? Why is 13 the number? Well, it's very simple. Right now, the court is said to be 6-3 Republicans to Democrats or Republican-minded justices to three kind of more liberal justices. What is, what is adding four justices under, an, under a Biden administration do to the court? Well, it adds four more liberal thinking judges to the court, making it a 7-6 court. Clearly political move. Why not just add two more? Why not just add three more? They can't do that because adding two would only give them a 6-5 or 6-6, six, six, right? Can't have that. Can't have the fact that, oh, my God, we might have a tie or, oh, my God, we, we're still going to lose. It's p- purely political that they want to add that number. Now, so this is step three, okay? We're going to pack the court to make sure that it's, filled with liberal judges for an extended period of time. And we're going to do it under the Biden administration because we know he's going to go ahead and he's going to pick the judges that we want on. I'm not sure he's actually going to pick them, but Pelosi and Harris are going to pick You know the judges that he's going to approve to serve on the Supreme Court. So now you're going to have a 7-6 vote on all the major issues. So let's look at all three of them together. Okay. In order for, in order to guarantee that the DC statehood and the court packing can happen, you have to get rid of the filibuster, right? Because without that, you're never going to get 60 votes. Now I'm not sure that you're actually going to get 50 Democrats in the Senate to actually go along with this. Cause again, I mentioned Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin wants to keep his seat. And he votes for some bullshit like that. He's probably not going to West Virginia is not going to put up with that. So I'm not, I'm not so sure that they'll get, they would ever get 50 votes. And I'm, I'm cautious when I say this, but Nancy Pelosi actually came out yesterday and said that after, after, uh, Jerry went out on the Supreme court steps and announced this court packing bullshit that she has no plans to bring it to the floor for a vote. Now, again, I say I say this with caution because I believe about as much of what she says as I do that fucking whatever, but I just don't believe her. Right? So you gotta get rid of the filibuster. Once the filibuster's gone and the Democrats who run the House, run the Senate, have determined that D.C. statehood should be a thing, and they bring that to a vote. You have the House and the Senate that are both going to vote that way, with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker in the Senate, because I'm not sure Manchin wouldn't vote for that. I, I don't I really don't know. He hasn't come out and publicly stated anything that I'm aware of on his stance on. On D.C. statehood, because, again, this isn't something that's being widely publicized. That's something that's even being talked about at the uh, at the federal level. It is being talked about because, like I said, they had a hearing on it the other day. But it's kind of being it's one of those hush hush things where they're they're talking about it so they can always come back and say that we had, you know, it was, you know, we had hearings on it, but it's not really something that's being advertised outside of D.C. Okay, so you're getting rid of the filibuster, and then D.C. statehood, you know, if Congress determines that they have the authority to do this, which, again, the Democrats run the House, they run the Senate, they can determine that. Not that it wouldn't be challenged, but that could be their determination, and they vote on it, and Joe Biden's going to sign it. He's going to approve it until it's challenged in court and, you know, whether it's fine. But, again, then it doesn't matter because if you also get through... The court packing, the change to the uh, structure of the Supreme Court, when it goes through the court system, how do you think that vote's going to come out with a seven to six liberal to non-liberal justice makeup on the Supreme Court? So you see how you see how it's going to fall, you got to get rid of the filibuster, you can vote for DC to be a state. Oh, wait a minute, that's going to be challenged and Congress doesn't have the authority to do that. Well, let's take it to the courts. Oh, it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Oh, well, 7-6 vote, yes, DC can be a state. So now you have just fundamentally changed the structure of our government forever. Now, what does this open up? Of course, it opens up the next time the Republicans have the House, the Senate, and the White House. What are they gonna do? They're gonna say, Oh, well, you know, we need to change the structure of the court, the Supreme Court, uh, because you know, thirteen just doesn't seem right number. We want fifteen. So we're gonna add two more justices. To the Supreme Court, it's going to be a never ending cycle. We're going to end up with 40 fucking justices on the goddamn Supreme Court, because every single time that the political uh, structure in Congress and the White House changes. That party that's in charge is going to do the same damn thing over and over and over again. It's a never ending cycle. Purely political. Political. What is going on right now to try to ensure that liberalism is the dominant theory in American politics and the dominant structure of how we create policy and law in this country. And if you're not paying attention to it and if you're not concerned about it, I urge you to uh really sit down and think about what this is what this means and what's going to happen because you may think that this is a good thing and this is what you want but i can promise you that the average age of the person who thinks that is somewhere between the ages of 20 and maybe 35 probably a little younger than that but i can promise you that anybody that's Over 35 actually has a job, actually works for a living, actually tries to support a family, uh, actually tries to get nice things for yourselves other than being, you know, the head of BLM who just, you know, apparently just rakes in millions and millions of dollars and goes and buys properties with it. You probably don't think that this is a good idea. And it's it's all about the here and now for the liberals. Right. It's all about what's going to happen tomorrow. They're not thinking 10 years down the road when this f- script is flipped. And all of a sudden, this shit's being used against them the same way that they're trying to use it politically now. Because it's going to happen. It's going to be a never-ending cycle of this same shit. And we, you cannot run a country like the United States of America under these types of rules. It just doesn't work. The Supreme court has been nine people for 150 years. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the, you know, the liberal hero. And if you're a liberal out there, listen to this. She was your freaking idol. She was your hero. She said not more than two or three years ago, nine is a good number and changing it is a mistake. So your idol, your Supreme Court God told you then it's a bad idea. Joe Biden said in when he was in the Senate that changing the makeup of the Supreme Court is a bad idea. Uh, he's He said it on the campaign trail when he was running for president. It's a bad idea. Now, all of a sudden, he wants to start this commission to see. Now, let's talk about Joe's commission. So my understanding is, is there is... 32 people on this commission that he set up. He's given 60 days to give recommendations on whether or not they should change the structure of the court. 28 of them. 28 of them. Are Democrats. Who over or I think the last, I think they went back and looked at the last two election cycles. Cumulatively. Over the last two cycles, election cycles, these twenty-eight people have given over one hundred and ten thousand dollars to Democrat campaigns. One hundred and ten thousand dollars to Democrat campaigns. Okay, the four, and I can't even call them all Republicans. I think two of them are Libertarians, but uh, the of the four that are not liberals, Democrats. Two of them, two of the four gave donations to one gave a donation to a Republican campaign, and one of them gave a donation to a libertarian campaign for a total of four thousand seven hundred dollars. So is this really a fair commission? I mean, is this really, you know, was this really a bipartisan? like you know, Joe went out and said, i'm I'm commissioning a bipartisan. No, it's not fucking bipartisan, okay? twenty eight to four is by no stretch of the imagination, bipartisan. That's like when Congress votes on something and they get one Republican or one Democrat to vote on the other team, they call it bipartisan. It's not fucking bipartisan. It's fucking idiotic to even consider that bipartisan. Okay? It's a fucking setup. He's he did this commission so that he didn't have to come out and say he supported it. He's going to wait for this recommendation to come back, which it's a foregone fucking conclusion with this with this commission's going to come back with is, oh, yes, it's very important. And I think, you know, now's the right time to, to make this change. And, um, you know, it's for the best of the country that we that we add these justices. You know, it's been 150 years and, you know in order to save the integrity of the Supreme Court, we're going to need... Now, fuck you. Fuck off all of you. Because it has absolutely nothing to do with the fairness of the court. If anything, you adding four liberal justices to the court completely gets rid of any credibility that the court has. If you disagree with that, I relish the opportunity to have you on here and talk about it. If you can, if you can say with a straight face that this is not a political power grab, please send a message, send an email. I will get you on. We will get on here tomorrow and talk about that. And I would love to hear your justification for how this is nothing more than a political power grab. I'm waiting. Folks, this is probably one of the most important times that we've had because this is this is an actual threat to the American way of doing business. This is a blatant over attack on our system. And if you're okay with that, man, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know I I hate to think about the other side of this if this happens. Because we talk about a lot a lot of times the word civil war is thrown around and you know, typically it's bullshit because it's there's not going to be a fucking civil war over half this bullshit, this you know, Black Lives Matter bullshit. There's not going to be a big war about that. But I'm telling you right now, if you fundamentally change the structure of our government to support, and, and, you know, liberalism is, I don't know, I think last numbers I saw was like, realistically only like, 18% of the Democratic Party really considers themselves liberals, but they're letting the liberals drive the fucking narrative and they're letting them seem like they are the predominant version of what Democrats are. So if you're going to allow that, then the rest of us have to assume that that's what you're going with. And I'm telling you right now, you you know, you hear threats all the time about shit. I hate to see what's going to happen. If you fucking do these three things, if you change the filibuster, make D.C. a state and pack the court all for your political power grab, there is going to be some fucking issues in this country. That's not a threat. I'm 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 pretty much guaranteeing that there are gonna be people that are gonna be fucking off the ledge on this stuff happening. Again, if you agree, great. If you disagree, wonderful. AG podcast13 at yahoo.com or click on my link in anchor where it says message. You can leave a voice message that I can play on air. In another episode, leave me your email address. Leave me your phone number. We can, we can have you on here to have this discussion. Because if you... I don't understand how you could think that this is anything other than a political power grab. Prove me wrong. I, I'm more than happy to have the discussion. Uh, this is just... This week has this week has really been an eye opener of what is going on in the DC bubble. And you guys need to start paying attention to this shit because it's about to get real, I have a feeling. If any if any of these three things happens, the filibuster first. That's what and, and that's why I kind of laid it out the way I did because you have to, that's the key. You get rid of that filibuster in the Senate You know, Pelosi's going to push through anything she wants to push through in the House. You know that's going to happen. Schumer has a much harder time because it's a 50-50 and he's got to worry about Joe Manchin. But if they get rid of that filibuster in the Senate, which again, you know, over the last four years was a horrible, horrible or was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And now all of a sudden it's archaic and horrible. Well, I got news for you, folks. It's gonna get ugly. Let me know what you think about this. i'm ex- I'm excited to talk to somebody about this because i I really want to hear what the argument is on the other side uh, to justify this kind of a you know blatant bullshit political power grab. So bring it, bring it on. Bring it to me. Love to talk to you about it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll expand on this a lot more uh, as it progresses. We'll talk to you again next week.